This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, Josh, Joe, Taylor, and Cassandra discuss the law and how it affects everything around us. And as always, here at The Outlaw Lawyer, our attorneys tackle all the day's most urgent, burning legal questions, such as why is UNC being sued for its interpretation of affirmative action? Can a machine commit manslaughter? And when is it legal to criminally charge a juvenile as an adult? That's all coming up next on The Outlaw Lawyer. And now, Outlaw Lawyer. Welcome into the Outlaw Lawyer. Josh, Joe, Cassandra, and Taylor. We have the whole crew here today. Want to remind you that Josh and Joe are managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer. They have offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. And we also have Cassandra Nicholas and Taylor Scruggs Smith. Cassandra now in the Moorhead City office. Taylor Scruggs Smith in studio with us. So excited about that. If you've got a legal situation that you're facing, you can all Always get in touch with Whitaker and Hamer, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Just leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer those questions on a future program. Josh, take it away. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, uh, Morgan. A lot of legal issues to, uh, to work through, but as you are well aware I can't jump right into legal topics right away we got to uh, we got to ease ourselves into uh, into legal discussions um, so I figured a good way to, to to get into that frame of mind was to talk about the, the holiday that just passed right so we all uh, just got through Halloween right we're getting into that uh, that end of the year holiday rotation we just got done with Halloween looking down towards Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. But uh, but guys, how was how was Halloween, Joe? Did you get the kids out there? You trick or treat? No, no, <laughs> yeah, you did. Nah, no, I didn't. We I think we did one house. We uh, we did a thing prior to Halloween. My sister does a does a thing, like a trunk or treat thing at our house, and she lives next door. So we do that. Uh, and we uh, we we've been letting that take the place of like a true go out. Did the kids dress thing. up? Did they? Dress oh yeah, up? they dressed up. They got to dress up then, and they dressed. We uh. Ended up going to eat, and we, like, stopped by a family member's house, like one house. They're like, we want to trick-or-treat, and it was raining. That was a, a blessing, <laughs> a real blessing <laughs> to the parents that it was raining. I was like, it's raining, guys, and we come out of the restaurant. It's, it's clearly not raining, and I was like, the, the forecast looks bleak right. for the immediate future. <laughs> Black so, cloud yeah, Joe. Pretty sure there's a tornado. <laughs> we need to get home immediately. You kids Sink need to shoulder. go to sleep. Yeah. So. But no, it was good, man. We... Uh, we stretched out Halloween over the whole month, man. So we we did a little bit of celebrating every day. So by the end of it, went a whole lot left to celebrate. <laughs> Taylor, you have you have big Halloween plans? Uh, no. Uh, so the weekend before, one of my friends had a uh, housewarming party that we dressed up for since Halloween was around the corner, and that was my Halloween celebration. <laughs> that was I like that celebrating early, then, man. No um, way now dressed up meaning formal or did you actually go costume? We did costume. They, and the, what did you go as? The theme was older people. So, you know, I had old school rollers in my hair and this wow. a old nightgown dress <laughs> I found in my closet. Um, pretty cold. Pretty cold. Sorry, you asked. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had my um, Maleficent horns on in the office that a uh, co-worker had got me from Disney. So that was my dress up in the office with my very dark orange shirt. <laughs> uh, Cassandra, you're, so you're, this is your first Halloween in your new neighborhood. Do you guys have a lot of trick-or-treaters? What did you guys do? We had a ton of trick-or-treaters. I was really impressed with our new neighborhood. A bunch of the houses were 
done up really well for Halloween. All the adults were sitting like outside on their porches or in their driveways, handing out candy in costume. I didn't put a costume on. We didn't have time to decorate this year. So we were the lame house, but they still showed up and got all the candy. So it was really good. The kids in your neighborhood. We're talking about how lame your house is. <laughs> like, I, I believe it. Right? Yeah, we, we don't live in a, we don't really live in a neighborhood. We just kind of live on the highway. We live on like a road, right? So we always have to take the kids. We have to pick a neighborhood and take the kids. And so you, there's this. You separated yourselves from the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So we, 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 the kids, uh, my kids are still in that age bracket where they're all going to want to do it no matter what. And we don't have an alternative like Joseph did there. So we, uh, we, we made our trip into like a bigger neighborhood in the Raleigh area that was slammed. It was like being at the fair. Sounds terrible. It was. <laughs> it was. We didn't get rained on, but we did. We were able to rush the kids. Like, oh, we can only do so many because yeah. it's about to rain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joseph, what did your kids dress up as? Oh, man. Uh, it, 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 you put them on the spot too early. No, nah, the they, they, this is the thing, man. Like, my kids picked a costume out like super early in the month, and then they're, they they changed like the wind, man. So like they ended up wanting to do something else by the time it came and like home making a costume. Right. I think the actual day of we went as a, a, a clown, like a, a scary clown. And then we had some witches and then we had a, uh, we had a, a Minecraft character. Uh, a lot of, yeah, we liked a, a lot of different things. We had uh, we ended up with a zombie hippie. I think I told you last you told week. Me your kids were real into the zombie. They like to make the zombies everything into zombies. So we had a zombie hippie, zombie Michelangelo, uh, the Ninja <laughs> Not Turtle. Not the paint. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. And then uh, uh, my middle son, his his name is Jake, and he dresses up as Jake from State Farm. Ah. And he talks to people about insurance. every year. He, this is the second year he's done nice. it. Nice. <laughs> I like so that. He likes to do. That. Did not do a zombie Jake from State uh, Farm, which would probably have been interesting. That's the next evolution. But. Uh, <laughs> All right, Carrie's already put up a video of her saying it's time, and she's already singing the Christmas, yeah, Christmas song. Time, Josh. She makes so much money off that song every year for the last like twenty years. Well, that's what uh, already never has to do anything else. It's, it's, song, it's already back in the top one hundreds on iTunes. Well, that's what Paul McCartney always used to do. He wanted a happy birthday song, mm-hmm. and he wanted uh, a Christmas song. He's like, if it's you could do that, you'll be set, man. It's genius. We should learn from that. We what? Yeah, how do we monetize <laughs> that, man? You guys are we, gonna start singing yeah. for us. Is that yeah. what's happening? No. The, yeah. How do we take that information? <laughs> we and put make you it work? singing uh, Mariah Carey music uh, on Spotify uh, for Christmas. Uh, that low voice wouldn't work with that Mariah Carey uh, note. Oh, man. That'd be rough. That'd be rough. All right. <laughs> this is the Outlaw Lawyer. We talk about legal topics, except for Morgan. We are all attorneys. As always, no offense, Morgan. <laughs> None taken. But we are all attorneys. We're all practicing attorneys. We all practice with the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer, who's several offices throughout the state. And when we all get together on the show, that is our goal to talk about legal news topics. We think we can talk about with a little more uh, knowledge than maybe the average uh, uh, broadcaster or or newspaper writer, if that's still a thing. And um, so we got three topics here today. So the first the first thing I was I want us to talk about, we're going to go into uh, right now out in uh, California. There is a manslaughter case, a criminal state action against a gentleman who was in his Tesla uh, driving, operating his Tesla on autopilot, ran a stoplight, sped through a stoplight, T-boned a couple, killed them. Um, so he is on charge. Uh, he's on, he is on trial for manslaughter. And so that's in, that's introducing a lot of new, uh, issues into what would be a typical, uh, trial since he was on autopilot. 
uh, whose fault was the accident, the man or the machine. Uh, so we're going to spend some time talking about that. Um, and then I don't want to give any coverage, uh, so I'm not going to use the guy's name. I don't want to give him any notoriety, but the Raleigh Headingham shooter, uh, of course, a tragic event that happened a couple of weeks ago here in Raleigh. Uh, kind of wanted to look at the legal questions, the legal ramifications that are coming out of that. There's been a couple articles recently uh, questioning if if the city of Raleigh gave everybody enough notice once they figured out what was going on. Could they have given quicker notice? Could they have saved more lives? I want to talk about the guns that were in this uh, the shooter's possession and gun laws in general and how they're changing. And then I think it's interesting, too, to talk about how this uh, young man's going to be charged as a juvenile or an adult and how that works. That's in the news a lot, and uh, we don't ever really talk about it. And then a big news story over the past couple of days, there was a oral arguments on a case involving the University of North Carolina in front of the U.S. Supreme Court uh, discussing affirmative action as it's uh, used at the University of North Carolina and and Harvard. And so that was a huge um, day-long oral argument uh, parade uh, at the Supreme Court. And that was, uh, I think that was covered pretty intensely, but I thought we'd put an attorney's uh, spin on that. So we've got a lot of beefy, I think that's the word I'm looking for, beefy legal issues uh, to kind of to go over here. It's a meaty show, and we'll get right to it. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Also on our program, Cassandra Nicholas is remote in from Moorhead City office, and we have Taylor Scruggsmith here with us in studio. If you've got a legal situation that you are facing, you can always contact Whitaker and Hamer and get some answers to your questions. Call 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. And leave your contact information. Briefly, what that call is about an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch you can always email your questions to the show questions at the and we'll answer those questions on a future program and check out the website the and as always convenient offices for you located in Raleigh Garner Clayton Goldsboro Fuquay Verena Gastonia and the aforementioned Moorhead City we'll be right back with more Outlaw Lawyer Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer back on the air. Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, the power behind the program. Josh and Joe are managing partners at the firm, practicing attorneys here in the great state of North Carolina. Offices conveniently located in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. Joining us remotely from Moorhead City, we have Cassandra Nicholas and in studio with us today, Taylor Scruggs Smith. They are regulars on the program and we have to give them proper billing. I'm Morgan Patrick, <laughs> consumer advocate. If you've got a legal situation that you're facing and you've got some questions, we've got a phone number for you. 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact info. Briefly what the call is about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch with you to talk about those questions. Also, you can email your questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We'll answer them on a future program. Josh, take it away. All right, Joseph. So we're going to talk about this is our segment. Where we're going to talk about this Tesla, uh, this Tesla manslaughter uh, matter. And I've entitled this in our notes here. I've entitled this manslaughter versus machine, which I thought was pretty witty. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, I know. That was just on the cuff, too, man. I didn't put a lot of thought into that. But uh, so here, just to recap, 
uh, back in 2019, uh, Kevin Riyadh uh, was in his mid-20s, and he was driving in Gardena, California, in a Tesla Model S. Uh, he had engaged autopilot, and he, uh, in, while in autopilot mode, he ran a red light, and he cr- crashed into a Honda Civic. The driver and the passenger in the Civic uh, died at the scene. And also notes here, they were on their first date, which is sad. But that was Orange County, California. Uh, that is a thing that happened. And uh, this sounds like maybe the uh, the DA's office, the prosecutor down there kind of struggled with what to charge, right? Is that, uh, you know, you don't have intent. We've talked about that before on the show. You know, for a, a first-degree murder, you need some you need some intent or you, you need something else. If it's an accidental, uh, negligent uh, killing, you know, usually you're you're going more towards manslaughter. So it sounds like he's been charged with manslaughter. And the issue here is, hey, he didn't. His argument, I guess, is going to be. I don't. I don't buy this argument very well, very much. But his argument's going to be, he wasn't driving. He didn't. He didn't do this. You know, it's 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 an accident, um, and he shouldn't be tried for for manslaughter. He shouldn't be found guilty of manslaughter. Maybe something a little less. Uh, severe. But Joseph, you're the only person here I'm aware of that owns a Tesla. Yeah, man, I care about the environment. <laughs> it has nothing to, it nothing to do with wanting to drive really fast or anything like that. But uh, tell me about this autopilot mode. Tell me what, what this looks like in an actual Tesla. Yeah, man. So this is the thing. My my Tesla robot car is a is a very kind and gentle robot and would never hurt anybody. I want to start off by saying that. But uh, yeah, the autopilot. So there's there's. I'm not an expert. I'm not a Tesla expert. Sure, I, sure. Maybe I am. Maybe they could call me at trial. But there's there's a distinction. So there is a true like autopilot program that you can. It's an add on that you can get when you have a Tesla, and it's an additional thing. You pay an additional cost for it. Um, and so you know when you're an idiot like me and you hear about that, you think like, well, I can just press this button, right? It's going to drive me around. It's going to, I can just live my life. That's not how it works in practice. So you don't, you don't, you don't autopilot on city streets, really meaning that like, it's not going to take like hard turns for you. Basically in my experience, the benefit of that, what it does for you is if you get like on the highway or a freeway, when you're just kind of going straight or taking exits, it's going to notify you when an exit's coming up, it'll touch a turn signal on it and auto change lanes for you. Um, in my experience of driving a Tesla, robot does a much better job of driving than me myself. It's a robot and uh, it's, it's very precise. Um, and, and if anything, again, in my experience, it's overly cautious. So like one of the complaints I have about it is it, it's going to slam on brakes if it even senses a red light or a flashing light or a stop sign, it's going to just completely like it's going to err on the side of caution and you're going to start slowing down immediately. Now, the exception to that is, you do have the ability to override the autopilot by uh, except like putting your foot on the accelerator. So like if you're coming up on a red on a yellow light and you're like, I can make this, right. it's going to stop unless you put your foot down on the gas and make it again. You could again, you can override it at any point. Um, so, again, in my experience, the only way that I could see this taking place is if the individual in question press the gas, went through on their own because my car would have, would have literally thrown me through the windshield, slamming on the brakes. <laughs> yeah. And you, if, am I correct? You have to be touching the steering wheel at all times. That's the other thing you have to, you don't have to touch the steering wheel at all times, but you will, it, it, it tells you that you engage autopilot. It tells you, keep your hands on the wheel at all times. So there you go. There's a little bit of legal wrangling out of the gate. Like they're, they're, they're making the disclaimer that you need to be attentive. You know, they're, it, 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 
I know that the argument here is that it encourages you to be less attentive. And I mean, you could, that's a very, you can see why they make that argument. It's a logical argument, but they do warn against that immediately telling you to keep your hands on the wheel. And then what happens is if you take your hands off the wheel for, it used to, it seemed like it was a longer period of time, but that's the thing with the Teslas is you get these periodic software updates. The most recent update, it's like two seconds. Your hands aren't on the wheel or your even if your hands are on the wheel, you have to apply pressure. So like I can have my hands on the wheel and still get a notification that it's about to disengage autopilot and you have to kind of like tug on it a little bit to keep it going. Hmm. Um, so yeah, and it'll beep, it'll, it'll beep like crazy. And then if you do that long enough, It'll just start beeping like mad and it'll tell you, you got to take control and then we'll disable autopilot for the rest of that drive. So you will not be able to do it. That's happened to me. Very upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Taylor, uh, with that expert Tesla testimony, grand jury, (laughs) you're the DA, you going with a uh, higher murder charge, a manslaughter or something less like uh, vehicular manslaughter or uh, maybe even something less than that. What are you doing here if you're the DA? I think if I'm the DA, I, it's, I'm shocked they are going against Tesla in a certain sense because at the same time, it's like, how are you going to prove mens rea, which is a fancy legal term in criminal law, um, talking about like the intent of the party, um, which Josh was referring to earlier. So it's like, you can't really prove mens rea or who committed what actions with a Tesla. The person that drove the car is the one that's bound by driver's license, had to take a test to get on. He, he's the one that has to be following the law, whether he knows it or not, because ignorance is not a defense. Um, so I feel like it would be a higher murder charge because you st- even if and it does, the argument is it encourages you to be inattentive, you're still the one that's in control of that vehicle. Sure. Even if you engaged autopilot, you're still the one that had to set your autopilot up, still manage the car with auto- autopilot. You can't just say, you know, this is a transformer. So I was driving the car (laughs) and the machine was actually driving. Um, Based off Joe's testimony, it clearly is uh, showing that you still have to have some control of the car and it will disengage on its own. So I feel like that's a higher murder charge. Can't really hold the robot accountable for not doing something. Sandra, what do you think? You've heard that. You've heard you've you've heard Joseph's expert testimony. You've you know you know very little about the facts, but the facts, the facts that you know, you're the you're the you're the prosecutor. You're the ADA. You got to charge this. What are you doing? I don't necessarily think it would be a higher murder charge. I think manslaughter is the correct charge for this. Just because there's too much at play. Manslaughter is something that the DA can much more reasonably get that we don't need to really get into all the nitty gritty of the Tesla stuff. If it's a manslaughter charge, that's a lot more achievable. I think it's the same. I think you look at it just like you look at any other vehicular accident, you know, incident like this. I think it's the exact same. I think we treat it the same. You know, it's the operator of the machine, right? So like Josh, let's just, in theory, let's just theoretical. Say, say I, I run you over with a lawnmower, right? <laughs> and, um, a lawnmower, yeah, say I do that and you die mm-hmm. and, uh, it's an accident. Clearly. Is there a hidden meeting there? It's right across from me, man. Okay. It's the first person I saw, <laughs> but I, I run you over with a lawnmower. Just forwards, not backwards. So it's an accident. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're laying in the grass. You're playing, you're playing a prank on me, and you're going right. to pop out from the grass while I'm cutting it. Anyways, I, it's the same. It's the same concept. I'm, you know, I can't. 
even if it's an autonomous lawnmower, like you, you have an operator that's in control of this thing. Um, the technology is not to the point, you know, maybe this raises a more interesting question in the future when potentially the technology could be to the point where you have full autonomous track. Cause I could see this being a more relevant question in a situation where you don't have these disclaimers, where it's widely accepted in the industry that someone can get behind the wheel of a Tesla, press a button, fall asleep. And they have, you know, that's a different scenario than what we're dealing with here. Here, it's clearly disclaimed, like you're in control. You need to be attentive. You need to pay attention. And, and I don't necessarily think the criminal aspect of this is what's the most interesting piece. I think the civil suit that they're bringing against Tesla, that's the more interesting question. And, and I, I think it's the same. It's, it's the same discussion, right? And I still think there's not really liability there. Um, we'll get to the civil stuff because I, I was going to bring that up in a minute. Before I bring that up, though, my, my thought was it's, engaging autopilot is kind of like the same decision, I think, as if like I took my eight-year-old and put him in my lap and said, hey, you drive. Yeah. So you're, well, that, that almost sounds like that's more negligent. <laughs> you think that's reckless negligence? No, man. I press that button every day and I feel great about it. I feel really good. I feel, I'm be honest, man. I feel safe. I feel too safe almost, but I'm attentive and I'm paying attention. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, you're still, you're still, sorry. Elon's, uh, response to this is interesting because he specifically says that this is evidence they need to move towards fully autonomous software sooner rather than later to save more lives. I disagree with that. If the software is up to snuff and it, you know, I think it's not there yet, but I 1 million percent think that if you develop really good robot software, it's going to drive way better than like 45% of the morons that are driving out there today. We've all seen those people. There's man. some bad drivers out there. Mm-hmm. And as the millennial, I automatically hear hacker, hacker, hacker. Yeah, it's fine. I think the <laughs> hackers will drive better than a lot of these morons, honestly. <laughs> the, uh, but that that is, you know, there's, uh, and again, I haven't, I, I didn't read all, I didn't read this part of it, but you know, there definitely is, is there an active, I know there's a Department of Justice probe into Tesla, but I don't know if there's any active, uh, I'm assuming there is somewhere, and I just haven't read about it. But is Tesla getting sued for this? Is there? A- it says in in this article that you found. Josh, <laughs> so I can't I can't say how uh, how accurate it is, but uh, it says that this the the deceased the family of the deceased is suing Tesla in this case. I think that's totally. tough, man. I mean, maybe maybe they settle something like that just to make it go away. But I mean, if if Tesla has to field every. Every time, uh, you know, autopilots, in, in, you know, involved with some kind of uh, accident, if they've got to field a civil case every time, that seems like it's going to be burdensome. Yeah, I don't disagree, man. Sounds like car insurance is going to go up. <laughs> yeah, just don't don't raise the price on that autopilot subscription. <laughs> what, is that, what does do that, that run you? It's not it's not the cheapest thing in the world, man. Um, but it's worth it. I'll tell you that it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But if you don't pay, they just cut it off, right? Yeah, they, they just sell. cut it off, and and you still get like you still get like the 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 maintain lane. Like there's still features well, everybody's that you got that. Not everybody. Not everybody. Got that, Josh. Yeah, I turned it off. Yeah. Do you drive a, a giant uh, old Ford Transit van to transport your fifty <laughs> children places? Because I tell you, I don't have it. You know. No, no. I, so, uh, I turned I turned that off in my car because I get that makes me mad because I don't always I'm not going to signal if there's no one around me. Yeah, I'm not going to turn on my turn signal and it hates that. Yeah, it beeps at you. Yeah, it really. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've gotten pretty mad at my that'd be a case. Man murders robot. <laughs> 
Because that's what's going to happen if my car keeps beeping at me. <laughs> the Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, managing partners at the firm or practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Our guests on the program, and they're basically co-hosts, Cassandra Nicholas is at the Moorhead City office, and we have Taylor Scruggs-Smith here in studio with us. Offices conveniently located, Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Farina, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. If you are facing a legal situation, you've got some questions, we've got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. You can also just leave your contact information, briefly what that call's about. An attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. You can email your questions to the show. We'll answer them on a future program. Questions at the Outlaw lawyer.com we'll have more for you coming up next Welcome back into the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. They host this show, and we get into legal topics each and every week. Also attorneys at Whitaker and Hamer, we have Cassandra Nicholas remotely broadcasting in from Moorhead City, and we also have Taylor Scruggs-Smith in studio with us today. Offices for Whitaker and Hamer are conveniently located for you in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and as we said, Moorhead City. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate. If you've got a legal situation, you've got questions, and you need some answers, I have a phone number for you. It's 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact information, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can email your questions to this program, and we'll answer them on a future show. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Josh? All right, so next up, a more serious issue. Not that manslaughter is not serious, but uh, I think we we were a little tongue-in-cheek there with that discussion. But here, much more serious uh, topic. Uh, you know, I never want to – I'm going to call this guy the Raleigh shooter. I never want to use the names of, of the folks who, who, who do this kind of thing. You know, but obviously – over in Headingham, we had an incident a couple of weeks ago where we had a an active shooter situation. Uh, several people lost their lives, and it was national news. And and since then, we we don't we don't know a whole lot more than we knew to begin with. We don't know the motives of uh, uh, this young man who I believe was 15 years old um, who, who who went and uh, and murdered uh, several people in his neighborhood. Um, it's a story that again got uh, national uh, coverage, and uh, it brings up a lot of questions. Uh, the, the reason I, I thought about it for today's show is because recently there's been uh, a couple of items in the local news where, um, you know, the first nine one one call, you know, was at a certain time, and then you know, ten to fifteen minutes later, you had people still being shot and killed, um, and there was some discussion there uh, about whether the city of Raleigh. Uh, should have given some some quick notice like we do for, you know, Amber Alerts and things like that. Should there have been some notice given? And if notice had been given, people could have sheltered, taken some shelter, um, and, and maybe maybe some lives would have been saved. Uh, did you guys see that? Yeah, I, I saw that. And I, I think it's an interesting point because I, I have an iPhone. And obviously, anytime there's an Amber Alert or there's, um, what is it, a silver alert when it's an el- older mm-hmm. alert person, Elderly, like... Yeah. Um, we always get those alerts that interrupt anything you're doing on your phone, completely anything you're doing. And it goes off like um, old TVs used to go off with emergency alert systems. So we have that type of capability. um, And I find it interesting that 
you know, I started getting, I was out when this was happening. Um, I was not at my home. I was out doing some errands and I started getting multiple text messages saying, are you home? Are you safe? And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? Um, and people were sharing with me social media posts about what was going on. So I didn't even see official posting until later in the day. Now, I, obviously, I don't know how police were operating. They might have just, you know, gone straight there to try to contain the situation as best they could. Um, but the notifications that went out, I find, were interesting because most of them were on some type of social media page versus some announcement on TV or anything like that. Yeah, I was I was I think that the night that it happened, I was at a charitable event down in down in Garner and uh, did not figure out what had happened till I got home. Uh, it was after dark, you know, so it was already uh, well, well underway when when I got home. But uh, I tell you what, I, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound bad, uh, but just honestly, like I don't pay attention to any alert. Right. I mean, the only thing I pay attention, I look at it. I'll look at it. You know, I'm going to look. That's the thing. I'll look at it. You'll at least look at it. Yeah, because yeah, I got kids, man. I'm not. They're not with me. Like, you, but usually I'm at my house. Yeah. Right. There's a I can't remember the stand up comedian. Well, uh, I go places sometimes. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, remember, too, when this happened, that was the opening day of the state fair. Yeah. That yeah. was a Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I was on my way to have dinner with my son in North Raleigh and literally every police car um, uh, lit up at the same time, and they started heading mm-hmm. in that direction. So I, I, I thought it was an accident uh, somewhere on 440, and then we started getting alerts of an active shooter. So, and they, and they were they were very concerned about the state fair. That mm-hmm. many people in one place, sure, uh, but yeah. they were very. Uh, um, I don't want to say proud's not the right word. They were they they felt good about how their police presence and their security presence at the fair reacted, and uh, the fair kind of carried on. But uh, they yeah, were I very the, present. Yeah, I think that that's the thing. I think the reaction of the, the you know the the police reaction, the timing of that, I, I, you know, kudos there. I think it's just a matter of like how do we. I see what you're saying. Like there's right. I think there is the capacity to to, to issue like official alerts like this. Um, and it does make sense cause I didn't know, I didn't know about it until it was done. Like I, and I'm not someone that is like just oblivious to anything that's going on, but like, I, I don't spend a lot of time just checking social media randomly and we're not in the area. So we didn't get texts from folks. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, like that. I'm going to be aware of and it. And that was the freaky part for me. I, I was getting so many messages, like even from coworkers saying like, are you okay? And I know one of our coworkers messaged you, Josh, to say she didn't know if she would be in work because she couldn't even get back to her home That's right. that she night because yeah. um, they had been at the fair. And the fairs had record numbers because um, I even went and it was so many people. But it's like this is the first real fair that I've seen so many people at since COVID. Mm-hmm. So like with the numbers so high, that's definitely a concern. And Cassandra, I heard you. <laughs> but then the question yeah. is, how do you verify? Like, how do you, how do you like, what, what response is quick enough? Because you get a call about something like this happening. You know, obviously you want to take that at face value. It's a very serious issue, but, but when do you send the alert? Cause you know, you, you run the risk of just mass hysteria if you don't properly vet something like this. And there are idiots out there that would take advantage of it. Oh yeah. Cassandra, were you about to say something? You're very easy to talk over because you're not in the studio. <laughs> I'm, I'm still here. I still have things to say. Um, 
I was scrolling on Facebook when it started and in several of my like Raleigh Facebook groups, people from that neighborhood were posting like, Hey, I hear gunshots. I'm sheltering. Do you know what's going on? And it was just tons of those posts. So I started Googling and couldn't find anything official for a while after that. So I think something even social media wise definitely could have come out sooner. Uh, But that being said, I definitely have those emergency alerts turned off on my phone completely. <laughs> wow. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. You wow. can turn them off. Oh. Where's your heart? Josh is like, how do I do this? Taylor, show me when we leave. <laughs> the uh So they would not have saved me. But Well, like we got that we got an amber alert the other day. It was like something in Ashborough and I like, you know, my phone's going nuts, so I looked at it and I was like, Well, you know what? I can't do anything. I mean, Come on, man. You look you look at it and you look at the make and model of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go on a, you go, you, you, you become Batman. That's and you what you go out there and you look. So I can't remember his name. That's what I was about to say. There's a stand up comedian who has a whole bit about this and I can't remember his name to save my life. But he basically was like, what are we supposed to do? Round up a posse. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm at home with my, you know, watching TV and you know, what are you supposed to do? Anyway. Uh, so there's some argument there. And then, you know, I, I think the Raleigh police department, we, we still don't have a whole lot of details. And so that that's been a big complaint. And then there's people that haven't really talked about this. I'm, uh, you know, but I was trying to look at, you know, we always want to know, especially if someone's under 18, you know, under 18, you're not, you're not going to be able to legally own, possess, buy a gun. And so this is, this kid's under 18, looks like he had a shotgun and a handgun. So legal guns, uh, I haven't seen a lot of discussion of how they got him. You know, sometimes they're charging parents, right? If, uh, right. if the parents legally owned it and your kid got to your, your guns and used them for something like this, are you responsible gun owner so i've seen some parents charged i haven't heard any talk about that yet which i i found surprising i haven't had heard any talk about where his parents were at all yet because the first person he killed i believe was his brother was his brother so we Mm -hmm. haven't seen any communication about his parents yet and i think that's partially because they're both you know involved because their son was the shooter but also they had another son who was a victim so i i don't know but usually we would have seen something by now about where the guns were even stored in the home or who they were registered under. Um, and I guess that's why that information hasn't been released. Cause they're both a vict- They're like twofold in this situation. I, um, we talked about it on the show. I can't remember, but I think it was in Michigan though. There had, a, they had a kid who, um, who took a gun to school. They helped the kid get the gun. Um, I can't remember all the facts, but the parents were getting charged. The kid was, I think the kid was deceased. I think the kid was, an active shooter and had been neutralized as part of the response. Uh, but I think they were going to charge the parents with, with manslaughter. And I, I think we talked about it, but I can't remember. I need to look and see how that's going. Cause that was one of the first in the nation. But, um, you know, a lot of times these, these events are used as, uh, a way to, to talk about gun laws, maybe what's wrong with gun laws or what could be done better. Or maybe that nothing could have, you know, nothing could have prevented this. And, and I haven't heard that discussion on this one. I, I just, I, that's not really uh, anything to to discuss, I guess. But I just I thought it was odd that we haven't heard that conversation. The other thing that I think from a legal perspective is interesting about this is that, you know, we've got someone here who is a juvenile. He is under 18 and he's going to be charged as an adult. And, you know, you hear that in the news a lot. You don't always know what it what it what it means. Uh, but here, I don't know if you guys have any experience with that. So typically, I mean, we've heard it a lot. I don't have personal experience with it, but 
Um, typically, that means like they're not going to go to any type of juvenile detention center and then be out. And when they turn 18 or anything like that, they're going to a regular state penitentiary system, um, which whatever that may be, whether it's a psychiatric ward or an actual prison, they're going to an adult facility. Um, yeah, the, the juvenile. Go ahead, Cassandra. I talked over you. There are limitations uh, relatively recently that even if minors are charged as adults, some things are off the table, like um, the death penalty, life sentences. Those still aren't available for juveniles. Yeah, the juvenile system, the juvenile criminal system is not really set up to deal with super serious felonies. You know, things like this, it's not it's not well equipped uh, to punish. So if you're if you're over 13 and you you commit a very very serious felony, that's always going to be an option. The the DA's office, the prosecuting uh, attorney has to to kind of prosecute you as an adult where punishment will be more severe. Um, and so that's that's what the DA here has has said in Wake County is that she intends to pursue uh, charges against this 15-year-old who I, I, he's not out of the hospital, I don't think. No, he just started rehab as well as what it says. So, okay. But um, anyway, obviously a terrible, terrible situation that, that gripped Raleigh and, and got us in the national news for all the wrong reasons, which is not typical for, for the Raleigh area. But uh, those are all kind of legal issues that kind of stem out from it. And, and we're going to see the fallout for, for a while when, when something like this happens. But uh, definitely uh, fodder to, to be discussed. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer. You can find them at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm when they're not playing radio show hosts here. Managing partners at the firm, practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. And, of course, on the program today, we have Cassandra Nicholas remoting in from Moorhead City office, and we have Taylor Scruggsmith in studio. Offices located for Whitaker and Hamer conveniently for you in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Verena, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. If you've got a legal situation, you've got questions, you need answers. I've got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. You can also email your questions to the show, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com, and we will answer them on a future program. And if you do call in, leave your contact info and briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. Check out the website, theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back with more right after this. Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, offices conveniently located Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Farina, Gastonia, and now in Moorhead City. They are practicing attorneys here in North Carolina, and as aforementioned, managing partners at the firm. And on the program today, Cassandra Nicholas remoting in from Moorhead City's office, and we have Taylor Scruggs-Smith, also an attorney at Whitaker & Hamer, joining us in studio. I'm Morgan Patrick, consumer advocate, and away we go. I think this is a good time to remind everybody that that the attorneys on the show here are licensed to practice in North Carolina. We know North Carolina law as well as as uh, as uh, as we can. But we comment on a lot of things that maybe don't have to do with North Carolina law, have to do with federal law. We talked about a California criminal case earlier. Um, and of course, we're not licensed to practice in California, uh, but we do uh, inject our opinions to, to some of these topics. And um, as we've discussed, the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court is back in session. 
They have a slate of cases that they're going to be hearing oral, oral arguments on for the next couple of months. And uh, a lot of them are going to be very fascinating because for the first time in a long time, we don't like I don't like to talk about the Supreme Court as, you know, Republican versus Democrat. Uh, I don't like to make it politically charged. That's not the way we're trained to to look at the Supreme Court as attorneys. They're uh, justices and, and some of them have a liberal slant. Uh, and some of them have a conservative slant, just like in the in the general public. Uh, but they are professionals. They're justices. They're trained to look at the facts and the issues uh, and, and kind of reconcile that with their own uh, the law, with their own personal beliefs. But uh, as, as is well reported, we have a, I guess, a conservative slant on the Supreme Court for, you know, last year was the first year. This is the second year. Uh, we've got a new justice. So, you know, watching the Supreme Court in action is very fascinating. If you ever have time to do it, the oral arguments, they're easy to find. They're not televised. It's not, you know, cameras don't really go in federal courts, but you can listen to the oral arguments and they're always very fascinating uh, and, and kind of a local connection here. So uh, this week, oral arguments were heard on a case um, brought against the University of North Carolina. There's also a similar case brought against Harvard. Uh, so University of North Carolina and Harvard about the use of affirmative action uh, in a, their admissions process. Um, and so this has been before the Supreme Court several times when the Supreme Court had a more liberal slant. And so this is getting a lot of attention because this, I think this has been common practice at most universities uh, pursuant to the prior cases. And uh, for the oral arguments, um, where, where did they go? Cassandra, did you, did you follow those? So not very closely. I was very busy working. That's right. <laughs> but <laughs> um, our new justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, was sitting out from the Harvard um, oral arguments because she was on their board up until really recently. Um, but she was on the UNC case oral arguments and got in some good arguments about what she believes is the need to continue using affirmative action as one tool to create a diverse student body. The conservative justices, um, argue that this is really still following precedent to discontinue using affirmative action because the previous case uh, being 19 years ago, it specifically laid out that using affirmative action and using race as a criteria for admission to college was necessary at that time, but needed to be time limited. So I just will we'll see if we are at that time now. I, I find it interesting because uh, affirmative action was, of course, brought up to help get African-Americans and other minorities into colleges that usually would have not allowed them because they weren't legacy students or they didn't have the big money that um, other people had. Um, so it was a way to force a diverse student body in upper education like universities and, and those factors are still at play that right. the legacies still get extra points towards admission uh right. money donations still those are still considered and make a difference so i don't know how that plays into this argument I, I wonder how it plays into the argument in terms of standardized testing because you still have to put your race on standardized testing even in schools so how it even especially in lower schools and high schools um, even for the LSAT, which we all bravely sat through in that horrible mm -hmm. exam that it is, 
Um, but even that still considers your race. You have to always mark it. So I, I think I see some of the justices argument of like, this is just another factor that we always account for why like this should obviously continue because all these other factors continue. It's not the sole reason I think was the arguments being presented by people for university of North Carolina and Harvard, that it wasn't the sole consideration wasn't race. Right. Cause the prior case law is, well, you know, the, there was no quota system, right? You can't say I'm going to admit this many of this race, this many of this race. So quotas of the court have already thrown out quotas, uh, but but right, it, it can be used as a tool, just like legacies. The questions on the legacies, those are very interesting because a lot of the justices jumped on that. Well, you're you're giving this preferential treatment to legacies from a time when uh, some races wouldn't have gotten into Harvard, let's say, right? And right. so, if you're 40 mm-hmm. percent of your class or whatever it was is is a legacy, then that's not going to be a very racially diverse uh, diverse class. So that was interesting. Um, I want to note here. When we were growing up, we took the cat test. Do you remember that? Is that what y'all had to do? Did y'all take the cat test when you were in elementary school? Did that ever happen? Like you meowed at people? I don't understand. <laughs> it was like a standardized test. You took it at the end of the year. They called it the cat test. It nah. was a California achievement test. No. I don't think so. I don't think Not that's us. a thing, man. <laughs> well, we Maybe were, in the 40s. Well, we, were, we were in elementary school. <laughs> is this a cat? Is this a dog? Morgan, did you take <laughs> it? an easy test. test. I yes. eased it. Yeah. I took it. Yeah. 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 So anyway, you took that test. It was a standardized test that you had to take back in the 80s. And, uh, and earlier, I guess, but it always asked for your race back then. And we, we were just kids. We didn't, well, we always, there was like a Alaskan something option. And so we all, we all went in for that. These Alaskan <laughs> kids are really killing <laughs> it. They're moving it down, yeah. they're moving down to Raleigh. Really <laughs> so up. in Maryland, which is where I grew up, we, we still had standardized testing. I think ours was generally in April. Um, but you know, still always asks for your race. And I think Nowadays, they have the option of if you're more than one, fill in two bubbles more often. Now you see that. So a lot of people will, if they know they're mixed, they will fill in the bubbles. Do they have just other? I mean, yeah, they just have other because when I remember in when I was in elementary, it was you couldn't pick two. You had to pick one. And I always put other. (laughs) Um, So they still ask that like you have to put your race on everything. So I think it's. I ain't taken a standardized test in a while. I know you, you, there's nothing you could do to make me take one right now. <laughs> yeah, Tell no. me the fate of the world depends on it. Man. I ain't going down, man. That's it. I think you still have to do it for the SAT, the ACC, and LSAT. The, uh, you know, one of the, the, you know, we talk about this, the Supreme Court case. This Supreme Court case was brought by a nonprofit organization that is against the use of affirmative action. So, um, you know, we talk about this a lot. A lot of these Supreme Court cases are either made by a, a, a nonprofit organization that's motivated to change the law uh, and they make it on their own if they have standing or they go find defendants who have been affected and, and kind of sponsor the legal representation of that defendants. I think it's always very fascinating to figure out how this got before the Supreme Court to begin with. These were filed back in 2014. Um, there was some, there was a lot of, we talked about amicus briefs, friends of the court filing. There's a lot of people who are interested in this. So there was like a hundred or some crazy number of, of amicus briefs where other institutions who would be affected kind of chimed in with their opinion. And, uh, again, tons of oral arguments, every justice was, was asking questions. Every justice was engaged. Um, but I, I think part of this too was, uh, I saw part of this argument was that Asian Americans, uh, in this system, uh, it sounded like Harvard maybe was penalizing Asian Americans uh, in the, in the process a little bit. So it was weird, you know. There was a lot of talk about okay, you know, 
you can use race, you know, as part of affirmative action, you can use race as a factor, just like you could use a legacy as a factor, just like you could use these other things as a factor. But, but I also saw UNC had like 46, I can't remember what the numbers were. It was like 46,000 applicants last year and they accepted like 4,200. Yeah. Which is just crazy to me. I I mean, colleges is not as easy to get into. Back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, they just I, looked at your cat test score. I just applied to a couple. Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> we want to get the best Alaskan cat test performers. So, back, back in my day, you took your you took your SAT. You hoped you did well, and you you know you paid the whatever it was the fee. I think I, I think I had to write an essay. Uh, I don't know, man. It's so different. also law application. I mean, not law, but college application fees are high too. So there's a lot of programs mm-hmm. in high schools that try to help because it's hard enough to pay the fees to apply and then pay because schools charge you now to send your official transcripts and things like that. So one application, I think, I can't remember what school it was, but I know one of my college applications was just the application was like eighty five dollars. And then it's like another 20 or 30 for the school to send official records. I don't care how smart you are. If you're 18, if you're 17, 18, you're dumb, right? I, I, I don't care. Like, I'm talking about myself, right? take nothing from this no, show. No, you're, you're world dumb. You don't know anything. That's Unless right. you listen right. to this show. You're, you're might, dumb. You're you world might, dumb. You might ace AP chemistry and AP biology. You might have a four point or five point, whatever it is now, right? <laughs> you might be, a, but, but yeah, you... I'm just amazed I figured out how to get into college. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's no bearing on my legal acumen now. Yeah, what is grade point up to now? Is it like eight point something? Uh, it depends on what program you're in. So if you're a regular school, it's typically still 4.0. But for instance, I did international baccalaureate program, which is a 5.0 scale. Um, starts in ninth, ninth grade. So we're um, talking like five point something. I saw some cross oh, yeah. country runner yeah. it was five point two or something. I was wow. like, I got no shot. They gave man. him extra points for being able to run <laughs> yeah. long distances. And so he like won some award that's for cross country, and they mentioned his GPA, and I was like, well, if that's what it takes, man. Yeah. I don't. Did you start running right away? <laughs> no, no, I, I rarely run. I, I want to do a show with you just running the whole time, man. And just, oh, we can bring in a treadmill. Uh, we can do that. That'd be fantastic. That'd be terrible. All right. I thought yeah. it was interesting though how they tried to talk about race neutral options, like not bring it up. At all and i think there's been arguments for that for even job applications to like just take race off and just look at who the person is applying really when you hear really oh go ahead cassandra sorry i'm talking over clarence thomas had an interesting line of questioning he was on the court already for the original decisions um 19 years ago and was not yet speaking out loud in oral arguments but he is now um but he was asking each attorney what is the educational benefit of even having diversity in schools and hearing that question from a supreme court justice was jarring i'm telling you i know we're coming up against a break but it it was these are arguments i like to hear these justices because what they do is they have these attorneys up here arguing for either side and they give them all these hypotheticals, and these attorneys are trying to really attorney it up, like avoid answering anything they don't want to have to answer. And you're in front of the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court just hits you with these questions, these hypotheticals. It's, it's just interesting to hear their thought process. But we won't get a decision on this for a while. Uh, but hopefully if, this one won't get leaked. Yeah, hopefully this one won't get leaked. But 
Yeah, but anyway, it was very fascinating. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm. Again, the power behind the program, and we do believe at least a 4.0 great <laughs> for the show. Offices located Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Goldsboro, Fuquay, Farina, Gastonia, and Moorhead City. They are managing partners here. We're talking about Josh and Joe, and they're practicing attorneys here in the state of North Carolina, as are Cassandra Nicholas, who's joining us remotely from Moorhead City, Taylor Scruggs-Smith in studio with us today. If you've got a legal situation you're facing and you've got questions, Got a phone number for you, 800-659-1186. That's 800-659-1186. Leave your contact info, briefly what the call's about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the show. Questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. We're back to wrap it up right after this. Welcome back into the Outlaw Lawyers. Josh Whitaker and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, the power behind the program. They're practicing attorneys here in North Carolina. Joining us on the program in studio, Taylor Scruggs-Smith, also attorney at Whitaker and Hamer, and Cassandra Nicholas, remoting in from Whitaker and Hamer office in Moorhead City. Josh? So we talked about Tesla today, and we talked about Tesla, and so I, I feel like we should bring up that Elon went ahead, and uh, we had talked about the lawsuit between Elon Musk and Twitter over there deal to buy Twitter and it ended up getting uh, continued and he was able to complete the purchase at the original purchase price is what it sounded like. But have you been following how Twitter is changing? Anybody been following that? So he's already fired, I think, three top uh, officials. And now there's going to be a debate about how he fired them and whether or not they still get their full severance package or not. Um, they, I, a lot of Twitter people are coming out on Twitter saying like, I'll talk to any journalist about what's going on right now. Um, so it's interesting to see, uh, I know there was one, uh, number that came out saying like the use of one racial slur went up 500% since he took over because oh, yeah. they're relaxing a lot of community standards. Um, so I see you can get, uh, you know, he's changing the blue check system. Did you I that? saw he's floating it. I don't yeah. know that he actually formally has. I think he floated it. And then Stephen King came out and was basically like, bleep that. <laughs> it's funny to hear all these people get so angry over, uh, you know, over that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, like yeah. there's some stuff, I guess, to be angry about. I, I use Twitter to uh, see what old professional wrestlers are doing and get my sports <laughs> news quick. That's the only use for it. Right? <laughs> That's all I use it for. Use it for other things? But but yeah, for eight, it's nice to think for eight dollars a month we could all get our blue checks. I guess they won't mean anything at that point. Yeah, they won't because blue checks were originally started to authenticate the main per page because it would be so many fake pages. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's buying it now, it's useless. I was on there when when Elon floated that out there. Like I was reading all the replies to his original tweet about that. And uh, who was the old tennis player? Uh, Martina. What's it? Nara Pavlova. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she has a blue check. She tweeted, oh, you can take mine then. I don't need it. And then the next reply was like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. I like to see, uh, I like to see people get, uh, what do you call it? Um, Burned. Burned, yeah. yeah. On, on Twitter. <laughs> that my millennial lingo for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, we've been, we've been uh, re-watching that 70s show, and that's a, you know, burn that's, is all. That's yeah. The kids. They, they, they say that. Too. That's yeah, right. It's, sure. it stay with us. But uh, all right, guys. Well, I think we got an episode in the books. 
Enjoyed it. I was going to say the show smoldering. The Outlaw Lawyers, Josh Whitaker <laughs> and Joe Hamer, managing partners at Whitaker and Hamer Law Firm, are your hosts. And again, Cassandra Nicholas joining us, remoting in from Moorhead City. Taylor Scruggs Smith here in studio with us, also attorneys at Whitaker and Hamer. If you need a legal question answered, call the firm, 800 659 1186. That's 800 659 1186. Leave your contact info briefly what the call is about, and an attorney with Whitaker and Hamer will be in touch. And you can always email your questions to the show, questions at the outlawlawyer.com. We're done for this week. We'll see you on the radio next week. Outlaw Lawyer is hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on this show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of this show, contact us directly.